You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. All right, well, as I mentioned, we're going to be in the book of Acts this morning. I want to begin by reading a couple verses in the end of the book of Acts. So-called. And then we are going to look into the first uh, couple chapters, especially chapter number two. Did you know this morning that your life, your destiny, your story, your story matters to God? Uh, And I don't know about you, but, you know, sometimes we get into a chapter of our lives and sometimes I'm ready to begin a new chapter. How about you? And I wonder how many would like to begin a new chapter in their lives today in this brand new year. And perhaps today is a day that you could turn the page. Amen? Turn the page. And the reason I use this terminology is I want to try to preach this morning uh, with this thought in mind and then get into the message. But I, I had this thought today on this. You are the rest of the story. You are the rest of the story. And for those maybe my age and older, you may think of uh, now you know the rest of the story. But uh, uh, with Paul Harvey, but you are the rest of the story. And the reason I say that is what we find in Acts chapter number 28. There's a there's an interesting way that chapter 28 uh, closes out. uh, And um, we'll see that. I just want to read the last two verses. Verse number 30, the Bible says, And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came unto him preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. Now, the reason I read those verses to you, and you can turn over to Acts chapter 2 if you'd like to now, the reason I read those verses to you is that this is a very unusual ending to a New Testament book. When you go read the rest of the New Testament, you'll find that each one has a finish. It has a conclusion. It has a wrapping up, as it were. Do you realize that Acts doesn't wrap up? Acts doesn't say, and that's it. Uh, Acts actually continues. And the point that I'm trying to make this morning about us being the rest of the story is the cool thing is, is that what God started in the book of Acts has not ended yet. In other words, the last chapter hasn't been written. Now, understand, I speak that in terminology. I know that as far as the Word of God is concerned and the inspiration of God's Word that it's closed, but as far as what God is doing in the church age has not uh, ended yet. We have not reached the conclusion yet. We're just another chapter. We're the continuation, not the conclusion. Well, praise God, we could be the conclusion, amen? Because when the Lord comes again, it will be uh, the conclusion of the church age. But uh, so with, with that in mind, we're heading into 2020. And I'm kind of continuing and picking up where I left off a little bit last week. Last week, we were talking about your vision, about 2020 vision. We were talking about having a vision, a clear vision for this year, for our lives. And really, the vision we need to get is the vision that God has for our lives. Now, Going forward, as we consider what I just showed you here in the book of Acts, I believe the best way for us to move forward is to take a look back this morning. Now, we don't do that in many areas of life, but when it comes to New Testament Christianity, one of the best ways to move forward is to look back. 
Because what the Lord started uh, when He started and, and, and the church was established and founded and continued on and so forth, again, continues to this day. Our vision is just a continuation of a course that was set by Christ. It was interesting. There was a verse read this morning in the book of Ephesians where the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of the church. And then the Bible says that the apostles are the foundation of the church. And then we are built, the church is then built upon that foundation. Uh, so as many of you know, there's a lot, of, there's debate between when the church started and so forth. And I believe there's some room to disagreement for disagreement there. But the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone, the apostles are the foundation, and then the building is built upon that. So is the foundation a part of the building or not? You know, I guess that's for you to decide. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, is we are a part of the church. Now, here in the book of Acts, we see, the, uh, we see a very amazing thing happen. And in Acts chapter 2, verse number 1, I want to begin by reading the first six verses. And I want to deal with several passages out of this scripture that will help us as we move forward as a church. First of all, Acts chapter 2, verse number 1, the Bible says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come... They were all with one accord in one place. I'm tempted to give a bad joke right there. Um, anyway, somebody said they drove a Honda. But anyway, okay. Verse 2. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men of every nation under heaven. Now, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And... I'm not going to read all the way down through verse 13, but what you'll find is that these men, they were gifted with the ability, these Galilean men, and if you were in Sunday school this morning, I'm, I invite you to come to Sunday school, we're, we're learning about how God just uses normal people and used normal people with the apostles uh, to do His great work. And guess what? He's still using normal people today. Amen. He's still using flawed people today. You know why God's using flawed people? Because he doesn't have anything else to choose from. Amen? That's right. Uh, but, but, but that's the apostles. But as we saw this morning with the, the, the working of the church, that, that God used these Galileans. And these Galileans were known to be uneducated men. They were not the elite. Uh, they were known to be kind of countrymen. These men, many of them were fishermen. Uh, but all of a sudden, here they are declaring into different languages and dialects uh, and speaking the truth of God. And this is, this is a feast day, the day of Pentecost. So you've got nations, Jews from all these different nations, all these different dialects, all these different languages, and all of a sudden, these men are gifted with the Holy Ghost. And what it is, it's a sign to the Jews that are there because God is transitioning from the Old Testament to the New Testament. He's transitioning to this time of the church. And he's as a benefit to the Jews, He's given many signs throughout the early parts of the book of Acts uh, and that's something that we share a lot of things with this early church. That's those particular signs aren't one of them because the Bible says that Jews require a sign. And so God kind of as a service did some of these amazing things. These unlearned people just up all of a sudden speaking in these other dialects in a way that can be understood. 
And by the way, uh, many of you are sitting there thinking and wondering, but the truth of the matter is, when somebody asks me, do I believe in tongues? I, I say, absolutely I do. I believe in these. I believe the ones in the Bible. What were the ones in the Bible? The ones in the Bible were, were, were men who previously didn't know how to speak a language, were gifted and able to speak a language as a sign to the un unbelieving Jews in these early days. Amen? But from that point on, what you'll find is that anytime tongues are referenced, tongues are just languages. And if this gift were still available today, you would be able, for instance, to go to another country and preach in another language if you had the gift of tongues as the Bible teaches it. Uh, but, uh, but I'll digress from that from just a moment to say it was an amazing thing that took place here. So here they were, and they were waiting before this point in Jerusalem. Now, why were they waiting in Jerusalem? The Bible says in Luke chapter 24, verse 49, Jesus said, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. This is the Holy Spirit of God. Now, the Spirit of God has been working, folks, since Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Or not verse 1, but Genesis chapter 1, where the Bible says, And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Amen. Man, God, the Spirit of God has been working all throughout the Old Testament. The Spirit of God, I believe, would come upon people. I believe the Spirit of God would indwell people in the Old Testament. Some disagree with that. But the, dif the, the difference is the Holy Spirit never came and resided and stayed and dwelt with an individual. But when Jesus Christ died and rose again, He said the promise of the Father is, is that the Spirit of God will come and dwell all who put their faith and trust in Me. That is the promise that they were waiting on. And the Bible says, Terry, until ye, in, in the city of Jerusalem, until ye be endued from power on high. Now, it's really cool because this happened on the day of Pentecost. Now, Pentecost was a feast that was celebrated. The Jews celebrated many feasts, and one of them was Pentecost. Pentecost means 50th. Because this feast was held 50 days after the Feast of the First Fruits. <laughs> the calendar of the Jewish feast in Leviticus 23 is an outline for the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to say this to those of you who are reading through your Bible. When you get to Leviticus, you may or may not realize it, but you are reading about the work of the Lord Jesus Christ in type and in picture. The feast actually picture the work of Christ. And we actually preached on that a couple years, through all that a couple years ago. But the, the, the feast in Leviticus 23 is an outline of the work of Jesus Christ. Passover, the Passover feast, pictures His death as the Lamb of God. And the feast of first fruits pictures His resurrection from the dead. The Bible actually says that Christ is our first fruits. And the first fruits, the way that would happen is they would have the, the, the feast of first fruits and it would be the very first thing taken out of the field during the harvest. And it was, if, it was a, if it was grain or if it, uh, if it, say it was corn or something, that would be put up as a wave offering during the Feast of the First Fruits. And they were celebrating the very first thing that came up out of the field. But it was also a signification that this is the first thing to come up, but there's many more things. There's, many, there's much more that's coming. And that, that is what Pentecost uh, celebrates. So 50 days after the Feast of first fruits, there is the Feast of Pentecost. So and the, the, the cool thing about the 50 days is that 50 days makes it fall on a Sunday. Um, and so that's, that's one of the reasons that we worship on Sundays. But, the, but this was on a Sunday. Fifty days after first fruits was the, uh, the Feast of Pentecost. And it was a picture of the formation of the church. 
The Feast of First Fruits took place one day after the Sabbath following Passover. And again, on the first day of the week. On the, first, on the Feast of First Fruits, again, the, the priest would wave a sheaf of grain before the Lord. But on Pentecost, he presented two loaves of bread. Two loaves of bread every year. Now this is something that... So Pentecost wasn't just a one-time thing as far as what was going on here. There's just something happened on the day of Pentecost. And it's cool what happened there because two loaves of bread would be presented by the, the priest. Why? Because at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit baptized believers and united them in Christ. The Jewish believers received this baptism at Pentecost and the Gentile believers in the home of Cornelius. And this explains the presence of two loaves. In other words, God brings the, the Jews and the Gentiles together and there's one, there's, uh, there, there's two loaves, but it's the same bread. It's the same church made up of Jew and Gentile. And so uh, that's kind of the picture there of Pentecost and what was happen, happening in this passage. So Pentecost was held on a regular basis. But now this early church was here gathered together praying waiting on the promise and the promise came and what I want to talk about is the vision of this early church that I mentioned earlier that will help us if we look back we can look forward number one when we think about the vision of the early church I want to say the vision of the early church number one they had a vision of Christ they had a vision of Christ Notice if, we, if you would with me quickly in verse number 22, and we're going to skip around this chapter, so just bear with me. But the Bible says in verse 22 of chapter 2, Ye men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, and ye yourselves also know him being delivered by the determinate counsel and the foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, loosing the pains of death, uh, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaketh in a certain place, and, and, and you go on, and I'm not going to take the time to read the whole message. I encourage you to do so later. But the, the point is this, the, the, the vision of the first church, the vision of the early church, they had a vision of Christ. Listen, Jesus Christ was the message of that church. And guess what, folks? Jesus Christ is to be uh, the message of this church as we go forward, right? I mean, that doesn't change. We need to have a vision of Christ. The message is Christ. What did these girls get up here and sing, up, sing about a little bit ago? It wasn't a what, it was a who. Amen? And it was Jesus Christ. He's the message of the church. Throughout this message that Peter gives here in Acts chapter number 2, he is preaching Christ. Folks, it's Jesus that makes the difference. He is the message. He is the meaning. Why is it that we do what we do? We do it because of Christ. He's the message. He's the meaning. Why were they even there in the first place? They were there because Christ had them to be there. And you follow through the book of Acts and you'll find out time and time again, they preached Christ. They preach Jesus to people. Listen, you don't have to be a scholar to share the gospel and share the truth with people. Just tell somebody about Jesus. Amen? I mean, listen, if you know Christ as your Savior, you can share with them what the Lord has done in your life. 
And if you don't know Christ as your Savior today, I assure you, you can know Him before you leave here today. Amen? You can be saved by the grace of God. He is the message. But not only did they have a vision of Christ, but they also had a vision of the Comforter. The reason they were there, as I said early on also, was because Jesus said, wait here until you be endued with power. John 15, verse 26, they had a vision of the Comforter. Jesus said, But when the Comforter has come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. That Comforter, that's a cool word, but that's, that's how Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit of God. But that word Comforter, it mean, it's paraclete. And it means one called alongside to help. Amen. It's one that will help you. One that will empower you. Because listen, the, the, the task that lay before this church was a task that they could not do in their own wisdom and power. So they had a vision of the comforter. Vance Havner once said, we are not going to move this world by criticism of it. Listen to me. We are not going to move this world by criticism of it, nor conformity to it, but by the combustion within it of the lives that are ignited by the Spirit of God. So we don't just sit in criticism of this world and we don't say, you know what, if you can't beat them, join them. But we allow God to ignite our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit of God and make a difference in this lost and dying world. Amen. Listen, the early church had none of the things that many think are so essential for success today. They had no buildings. They had no money to speak of or very little. Uh, Listen, they had no political influence. They had no social status. And yet the church won multitudes to Christ, saw many churches established throughout the Roman world. Why? Because the church had the power of the Holy Spirit of God energizing its ministry. They were people who were ignited by the Spirit of God. That's what makes the difference. If you're here today and you're saved, let me tell you something. It is not through our own efforts. Listen, I, I believe in thinking of creative ways to uh, you know, make, the, make people aware of the church and try to get the gospel out and try to get people in the doors so that we can share the gospel with them. But we also need to be without, outside of the doors and the walls sharing the gospel, of course. But, but I believe in all that. But I want you to know something today. Folks, the message cannot change and that message is Christ. Amen. The method cannot change. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Moving forward, that's what it's about. It's not about personalities. It's, it's, it's not about dynamic speaking and preaching, which is a good thing. Amen. But it's about the message. Amen. And it's about the power of God. I mean, listen, all the things that people say, man, you know, man, if we just put a, if we just put a strobe light in, you know, Think about how much more we can... Folks, we don't need a strobe light, amen. We need the light of the world, amen. We need the power of God uh, to reach this world. That's what makes the difference. This church made a difference in their lifetime. I love what the Bible says in Acts 17, verse 6, I pray you, where the Bible says these men were accused. Now, by this time, understand something. This is all happening in Jerusalem, what I read to you out of Acts chapter number 2. But as you go through the book of Acts, you see the gospel spreading around their region and ultimately around the world. And folks, the people that were alive in Acts chapter number two reached 
the known world in their lifetime. And I love the accusation of the enemies against the church. Here's what they said. These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. They turned the world upside down. Now in this chapter, they were coming to Thessalonica. They were going to some of these Roman colonies. But they already had a reputation. They've turned the world upside down. But I'm telling you, it wasn't them. It wasn't their own power. It wasn't because they were great people. But it was because they had a great God. Amen. And they rested on great promises. And they had great power. That's what we need going forward. That's our vision. It's a vision of Christ. It's a vision of the Comforter, folks, as we move ahead. Uh, Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. Here's what Jesus said. But you shall receive power. <laughs> you, shall, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. I love that verse. It's, it's, a, it's, kind of, it's Acts version of the, the Great Commission, if you will. You shall receive power. And notice this, you shall be witnesses unto me both. That's really important. Because some people say, well, it's, it was Jerusalem first and then they were to go out. Well, there's a truth to that. They were, in, they were in Jerusalem, but he said both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria. And, and does anybody know the geographical location of Judea, by the way? The answer to that is there's not a city limits to Judea. You know what that is? That's the countryside. That's not like a particular city. So, so Jesus is saying, don't forget about the country, folks. Amen. Don't forget about the folks out away from the city. Go to Judea as well. To Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. And the reason I say that is if we're not careful, I'm glad this church doesn't have that idea. But just in case we ever started to get that idea. I've known churches that have said, well, and we, we, we need to put all of our resources, all our missions, money should just be concentrated. After all, we need to reach our own Jerusalem. Yes, we need to reach our own Jerusalem. But we've reached both our own Jerusalem. And Samaria, I mean, and Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And so, uh, the, the power, but you shall be endued with power. Listen, we are not exhorted. By the way, this is important. What happened here is that in Acts chapter 2, we see people being baptized by the Spirit into Christ. Now, for those of us that are saved by God's grace, now that happens to us the moment we trust Christ as Savior. We are baptized by the Spirit. Now, if you think I'm talking about water baptism, I'm not right now. Not yet. Before we're ever water baptized, we need to be Spirit baptized. And another way of saying that is salvation. Because baptism has to do with identification. So when we put our faith in... This is what it's talking about in Romans chapter number 6. If you'd like to study it a little bit deeper. This is what it's talking about in the book of Galatians. When it talks about baptism. It's not talking about water baptism. It's talking about uh, Spirit baptism. Which is simply this. Identification. So when I put my faith and trust in Christ, I was identified with His death, burial, and resurrection. Resurrection. I was put in Him. I was identified with what He did. So in other words, that's a way of accepting what Jesus Christ has done for you. Real important distinction here. Nowhere in the Word of God are we ever told to be baptized with the Spirit. You know why? 
Because that happens at salvation. But we are told to be filled with the Spirit. Because everyone who is saved, the Bible says, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So as soon as you're saved, the Bible says you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. The Bible says you're sealed until the day of redemption with the Holy Spirit of God. But uh, we are told to be filled. And that just simply means under the control to allow the Lord and the Spirit to work through our lives, to surrender control to Him. So we're not commanded to be baptized uh, by the Spirit. That is something that happens once and for all. But folks, I tell you something we do need. If we're going to serve God effectively, we are going to need the power of the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. This goes back to the very beginning of this thing about a vision of the Comforter. It's just a way of saying this. Understanding, folks, that it's not about us. It's about the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Hey, if you ever get frustrated that you're not able to successfully live the Christian life, let me tell you something. Understand that in and of ourselves, we cannot live the Christian life. No more than you can be saved on your own can you live the Christian life on your own. Folks, one of the reasons, did you know one of the reasons that we encounter trials and temptations is to help us see who we really are? To humble us so that we can be reminded, oh yeah, this is who Jesse is. See, that's why a, a, a revolutionary verse that we need to understand as God's people is Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Where the Bible says, the, the Apostle Paul said it, but here's what, it's, it's an example for us. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. He says, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. I butchered that a little bit in my quoting there, but, 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 but it's there. Christ liveth in me. Listen, the, 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 the Christian life is lived when we surrender our lives. Die to the, and we say, Lord, today, the Apostle Paul said in one place, I die daily. He wasn't talking about physical death. But he was just simply saying, daily, I'm saying, Lord, it's you. Lord, it's not about what I want. It's about what you want. It's not about where I want to go. It's about where you want to go. God, I give myself to you. And so that's the idea there of being filled with the Spirit of God. And another quick thing I'll say here just in passing is, is that Pentecost was a reversal of the judgment of the Tower of Babel. And I like, it's so cool that I know people are reading through Genesis right now because we've just covered some of these things. Uh, but uh, uh, Pentecost is a reversal of the judgment of the Tower of Babel when God confused man's language. God's judgment at Babel in Genesis 11 scattered the people, but God's blessing at Pentecost united believers in the Spirit and made the, the, and kind of closed that gap. And since that time, the world has been brought together, has it not? And the gospel has been able to go forth all around the world. And so, with that in mind, the, the early church had a vision of, of Christ. The early church had a vision of the Comforter. But I want to say also, the early church had a vision for the commission. A vision for the commission. They had a vision for souls. I love what the Bible says here. See, the message that I started reading to you that Peter preached here in Acts 2, and again, I encourage you to read all of it. But when you go all the way down... To verse number 37, we see kind of the result of this preaching and the power of the Holy Spirit of God working. Now, 
When they heard this, heard what? They heard the gospel. They heard that they were responsible for the death of Christ and that He died for their sins. He was the Christ, the one promised in the Old Testament. He died for their sins, but He rose again the third day. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. I like that. Pricked in their heart. In other words, God will deal with your heart. He will show you your need for a Savior. After all, the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. See, the best that I can do is to pray and to study and to get up here and try to give you my heart. And I can, I mean, I can give you all the energy that I have. But it's the Spirit of God that I believe does the pricking in the heart. Amen? Oh, my friend, it's Him that shows them their need. I mean, something got to them. Have you ever been sitting in church and all of a sudden it seemed like the message just zeroed right in on you? Maybe it was during the invitation time. I've had so many people get offended through the years and I find it humorous, although it's, it's heartbreaking, but I can find some humor in it as well. But I've had so many people get mad at me. Preacher, do you not think anybody else is at church? I, I have had, I, I remember, God bless them, Dell and Kay, uh, friends from years ago in, in, a, in a previous church. And, uh, oh man, he, he would get so aggravated at her. He knew, he knew. Why do you keep telling him all of our business? Why do you, and he was mad. He was as serious as he could be. Listen, not only do I not know your business, but I'll let you in on a little bit of secret about me. I'm not, I, I'm not interested in putting my nose in your business. Amen. Now, I'm willing to share your burden. And man, if you have a need, don't misunderstand me there. Uh, but, but if you've got a private life, that's your private life. I'm not a meddler. Amen. And, uh, but anyway, the point is this. It's God. God is the one that can speak to your heart. God is the one that can take these words and bring them to your heart. Because it's not these words, it's these words. It's the Word of God. They were pricked in their heart. There, there's many ways we could say that. Some would say they were under conviction. God got a hold of them. Anybody know what that's like, by the way? Can I get a witness? Amen. If you don't, keep on listening. Amen. Because there's good news. Uh, I mean, listen, the Bible says they were pricked in their heart. And they said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent. Repent. Now, there's a lot of misunderstanding about repent. Does the Bible teach that repent is works, salvation? There's men that teach that. But repentance isn't a bad word. There's people that use it wrong. There's people that turn it into a work salvation. But that's not what it is. Repentance is simply a change of mind. But guess what a change of mind does? For those that weren't going to come to church today, but decided to come to church today, you had a change of mind. What did that result in? A change of direction. Is that not right? And for those that were deciding whether or not to come and didn't come, I mean, whatever the case may be, but a change of mind results in a changed life. If I change my mind about, you know what? Jesus saved my soul and I don't want to continue this way. I want Him to save me. Guess what happened? I'm turning to Him. I'm, I'm trusting in Him. That's simply what it is. Oh, my friend, He said, repent. Notice this. And believe or, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Now that for the remission of sins, it doesn't mean get baptized so your sins can be remitted. He's saying since your sins have been forgiven, be baptized. 
Follow the Lord and baptized. I mean, you know, it's kind of like this. We don't use the terminology all that often anymore, but it might be something like this. I'm going to go eat after church today for I'm hungry. For I'm hungry. In other words, why am I going to do it? Because I'm hungry. That's what the for, for the remission of sins is. Since your sins have been forgiven. So what do they do? They put their, he says, put your faith and trust in Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and follow him in baptism. Now we get to the water baptism part. First, you must be saved. Then you follow the Lord in baptism. Folks, they had a vision for the commission here. They had a vision for the commission. Now, somebody says, oh, I was baptized. I was baptized. Well, here's here's the issue with that. Is the word baptism literally means... I told you the meaning of it, theologically speaking, it carries the idea of identifying with. But the literal meaning of the word is to immerse. This is not immersing. You know, it would take a long time for me to be immersed that way, wouldn't it? Um, and so, that, so technically, that's not baptism, that's sprinkling. Uh, I could pour this on my head. I know some of you want me to do it, amen, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I don't want to mess up my hair, amen. But uh, listen, uh, but but that's not bad. bad true baptism. There are a couple things about baptism. For one thing, it literally means to immerse. So people say, "Oh, you crazy Baptist! You actually dunk people underwater." Well, that's what it is. That's literally what it is. It, it literally. It, there's a couple things that happen through history, and I need to. I'll digress and not spend too much time on this. I'll get my next point about baptism. What it is is it's immersion. For one thing. Uh, But for another thing, Bible baptism is always believer's baptism. Uh, You know, it's... (laughs) It's one of the it's one of the great uh, travesties of many of the modern versions. Uh, I think about I believe it is it Acts chapter number eight or is it chapter nine? Uh, I believe it's chapter eight where the Ethiopian eunuch asked the question. And he says, uh, "You know, see here is water. What hindereth? What doeth hinder me to be baptized?" And the Bible goes on to say that uh, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. It's interesting. If you've got a modern version, you might look at those verses, and I believe it would go from verse 36 to 38. What is it? It skips up. It skips up, but literally, just, there's no verse there. It just simply says, what must I do to be baptized? And it says, and they both went down in the water to be baptized. And you know, so, so that's one of the reasons. That's one of the reasons I recommend uh, the King James Bible. But if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. Uh, that's important. You believe and then you're baptized. And so, uh, and, and, and notice this, it is something. It's not essential for salvation. Do you want to know something? Did you know that Jesus Christ never baptized one person? Amen. While they walked this earth, not one person did Jesus ever baptize. Uh, not one person. And you want to know something else? The thief on the cross was a man that, Jesus, that, that, that wanted to trust Christ as Savior. And he, and he said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Jesus Christ did not look over at that thief on the cross and say to him, uh, you know, oh, buddy, I'd love to help you, but it's too late for you because you can't get baptized. You're about to die, buddy, and I'm sorry, but it's nothing I can do for you. Jesus never once mentioned baptized, baptism with this man. This man showed his change of mind. This man showed his faith in Christ. And Jesus said, this day will you be with me in paradise. Guess where that thief of the cross is now? In heaven. He never got wet. 
Never. He never was baptized. Uh, but you know what he was? He put his faith and trust in Christ. So now, baptism is not essential for salvation, but baptism is obviously important in the church. Uh, and so, if you have not yet followed the Lord and believers' baptism, that's something I'd like to do, hopefully maybe even before the end of this month. Uh, for those that would like to follow the Lord in believers' baptism, uh, what the Bible teaches about it, all right? So they believed in the commission. They believed in souls. Uh, Mark 16, verse 15 says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I like what the Bible says in Acts 26, 19. I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Amen. I mean, listen, there's a vision there. So there is a vision for the commission. And then lastly, there's a vision for the church. That's what the Bible says in verse, verse 41 through 42. The Bible says, Then they that gladly received His word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in prayers and in the breaking of bread and so forth. Uh, and you can read more about this. But one of the things you'll find out that the Lord was doing here, the commission is not just evangelism. The commission is also establishing. Amen. And it, so what the Lord teaches throughout the book of Acts, and you can read it when you get into the epistles, folks, there's, some, there, there's a real important thing that is often minimized, and that is the local church. When you read through the epistles, I was thinking about it this morning. We started off in the book of 1 Corinthians. And the Bible says, unto the church that is at Corinth. I understand that we are all a part of Christ if you're saved by the grace of God. But listen, it is God's will for people to be saved, baptized, and joined together with the group of believers. Right. Amen. It really is. That's what God has established. It isn't a great privilege. Aren't you thankful for the church? I sure am. I thank God for the impact that the church has had in my life. Somebody says, well, I don't need the church to get to heaven, preacher. I didn't say you did. Amen. And you don't really need a boat or a plane to get to Hawaii. But man, it's going to be a long swim, let me tell you. Um, you can get there, but it's going to be tough, all right? Uh, and it's not going to be tough to get to heaven if you're, uh, if you're not a part of a church uh, because if you're saved, you're saved and you'll be in heaven. But, but the point is this. God has given the church. The Bible says He has put us together in this body. And so the Lord works through the New Testament church. And so moving forward, if, if for those that, have, that... For number one, just real quickly, what we see in the vision of the early church, for those that aren't saved, hear the good news and get saved. You read the book of Acts, you see people with different reactions. Here in this chapter, it's amazing. They hear it and they say, well, what do we need to do? I, I want the, and they called on the Lord. In other places, the Bible says they were pricked in their hearts or God got a hold of their hearts and they went, they went about to kill and to persecute the people that were preaching to them. What's your reaction uh, going to be? Amen. What's your reaction going to be? I just warn you, I got backup if you plan on killing me, amen. But, uh, but, uh, but no, are you going to reject the message or are you going to accept the message? Are you going to accept the message? That's the, that's the bottom line. And so if you're here today and you don't know Christ as Savior, just quite simply this, please come to Him today. Please put your faith and trust in Him today. He died on the cross for you. It's a simple message. Oh yeah, I believe and I'm going to church and I believe in God and blah, blah. Yeah, but have you accepted Christ? Have you believed on Him? Because if you haven't, you can do so today. 
But if you, so if you, if you don't know Christ, come to Christ today. Number two, if you do know Christ, follow Him in baptism. Follow Him in baptism and join the local church. It may or may not be this church, but if it's God's will for you to be a part of this church, it is, I believe it's God's will for you to be baptized. I know it's God's will for you to be baptized and to be a member of some local church somewhere. What God does throughout the New Testament, He's doing. Listen, what does He do when He's sending missionaries out? He goes to the church. He says, okay, church, pick some men out among you. Designate some men. These are going to be the men that are going to go. And of course, God's got to be the one that does the calling. But let me ask you this, this question. What if God were to call you? I was blessed this week. And Miss Sonia, would you go ahead and come be making your way to the piano? I was blessed Sunday night. I preached up in Sioux Falls. And a friend of mine from many years ago... Uh, she, she approached me. She's, she's a widow now and she's in her early 70s. But she said to me, Pastor, I just got to share some exciting news with you. And uh, long story short, she's working her way to the mission field. <laughs> she's working her way to the Amazon. Miss Judy is. Well, isn't she too old for that? Oh, no, she's not too old, amen. She's alive, amen. She's alive. And there's something she can do. She happens to be a midwife. That's how she's going to use, she's going to kind of work in that, uh, in, in that way down there. But hey, what, would you be willing to go if God sent you? Would you be willing to go if God sent you? I think God, we've had some fellows out of this church surrender to preach. Amen. I'm so thankful for that. And they're just God's using, they're doing a great job. But maybe God's calling somebody else. Maybe there's somebody else. And so many times us older folks sit around saying, yeah, listen, young people. Maybe God wants you to go to the mission field, and maybe He does. But let me tell you something, Grandpa. <laughs> let me tell you something, Boomer. Maybe He's calling you. Would you be willing to go? Would you be willing to go? You ever thought about this? 3,000 saved here on this one day. Where did they go to church? What building? What, did they have a 3,000 seat auditorium prepared? Did God have a 3,000 seat auditorium? Was God caught, caught you know, unaware thinking, oh my goodness, now what are we going to do with all these people? You know what they did? You know they had many, this one church had many places that they met. Amen. I've told you about this before, but I, you know, my burden is this year very soon. I've, I've, I've talked to a pastor in Akron. I have talked to, uh, I've tried to send messages to a place. Folks, uh, soon and very soon, I want to start a Bible study in Akron. I do. I want to start a Bible study over there. I want to be able to reach people over there. And you say, what about our community? I want to come there too. <laughs> Amen. Uh, but, I, but, but, but God's raising up people that are going to be able to help in this. I want to spread out. Amen. I want to continue to build here. And as we do it, I want to, I want to spread out. Amen. Amen. And uh, see what the Lord will do. And so let's all stand as we're dismissed in prayer. I thank you for your patience this morning. You say, what did all that have to do with you starting off talking about turning the new page and a story and all that? Let me tell you something about these people that were there in Acts chapter number 2. You, know, you don't want to know what kind of people they were? They were people a lot like you. <laughs> they were people a lot like you. I told you that this feast took place every year. They weren't coming saying, oh, there's going to be a Pentecost this year. There was a Pentecost every year. Many of them were coming to worship just like you come to worship this morning. But you know what they were missing? Many of them, they come to worship God. But they did not know Christ as Savior.
But you want to notice, it was just a normal day. That's why I say it's a new page for you. Maybe this is the day that you trust Christ. Maybe this is the, these people did not come that day thinking, oh, you know what? I'm going to go trust Christ today. They didn't even know anything about that. But God pricked their heart. You know why? Because He died for you. And He rose again for you. And He wants you to be saved. How many of these people were planning on turning the world upside down? Not many of them. But their normal day turned extraordinary when they let God work. When they gave in and said, you know what? I'll go. When these people that were saved said, I'm going to wait for the promise. I'm going to go in power. And when those that weren't saved humbled themselves and said, you know what? I'll believe. I'll come to Christ. Would you do that today? If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, I'm going to ask you this. Would you be willing to humble yourself? You say, preacher, I'm not even sure what you're talking about, to be honest with you. I believe. Don't, don't we all believe? Isn't that good enough? And that's a valid question. It really is. See, but the answer to that question is, is simple. It's so simple, a lot of people miss it. A lot of people believe in God. It's like believing, believing in God, but Jesus said, did you believe on me? It's, it's putting your faith in Him. It's rolling over all your weight, all your trust, everything. Believing in Him and Him alone for salvation. Have you done that? You know the Bible actually said the devil believes in God? The demons of hell believe in God? They believe in God to the, to the extent that they tremble at the thought of Him. I've not met hardly anybody like that. But that's how they believe. But they're not going to heaven, they're going to hell. That kind of belief doesn't save. It's faith. It's trusting the Lord as Savior. Lord, please forgive me of my sins. Thank You, Jesus, for going to the cross, dying for my sins. I realize now that You did that for me. The Bible says in Galatians that if we're justified by the deeds of the law, uh, that Christ is dead in vain. In other words, He would have not needed to die if we could be saved by our own works. He died because your church can't save you. This church can't save you. Baptism can't save you. Being a good, He would have not come if that would have been the case. He came because that was the only way for you and I to be saved. Come to Him today. Call on Him today. Child of God, let me encourage you to surrender. How many of you be willing to take that step of baptism? How many of you be willing to take that step and say, you know what, I'm willing to identify. I'm willing to say, you know what, I'm going to cast in my lot with this, with this group. I believe this is what God wants. Amen? I tell you, it's a blessing. It is such a blessing. Heavenly Father, I thank You so much for the privilege. I thank You for the patience of the folks, God, this morning. And I pray that You'll challenge our hearts. I always try to be conscious of time, even though it sure don't look like it on a day like today. But God, I tell you, there wasn't many on this particular day that were thinking too much about it. But of course, that's because of the way the Spirit worked as well. But God, I just pray that you'll work on hearts. Help us, dear Lord God. If there's anybody not saved, I pray they will not walk out of this church today until they know that they know you. They know that their sins have been forgiven. God, I pray that we'll have some willing to follow you in baptism, Lord, and join in uh, with this family, God. And uh, God, I just pray that you'll bless in that, God. And we'll thank you for what you do. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.